will try to be a little more exciting than a day out shopping with the missus here on the Owls Americas, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and I have a beer this week. It is from one of my favorite breweries uh, in Tampa, Florida, the Cigar City Brewing. This is their Maduro Brown Ale, and it is named after the uh, the wrapper on a cigar. And as we'll play along with the theme of this episode, if you're listening to a Sheffield Wednesday podcast this week, smoke them if you got them. <laughs> In New Jersey, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Uh, Jeff, I'm on my second Manhattan of the night, um, and it's looking beautiful. You have a um, lovely I'll... little uh, martini glass there. Mm. I was uh, informed it's by a little, Jeff it's a little more full than the last one. <laughs> Yeah, and if, as if I would joke that I had a martini glass, not a, a Manhattan glass. Cause coupe, a coupe. Or a Nick and Nora. A coupe or... Well, Nick, Nick and Nora. Nora. What's Nick, Nick and, and Nora? No. It's one of the most... Uh, it's uh, one of the more famous uh, hard-boiled detective movie book series and then movie series. And... Uh, What's I got to do with the American glass? Media. Yeah, Nick, so the coupe is a little bit uh, wider at the base and the Nick and Nora is a little uh, narrower at the base. All right. Well, guys, I can tell you it tastes really good. <laughs> what is your uh, rye or bourbon of choice? Um, I've gone with the bourbon because I've only got bourbon left. Fair enough. And it's the it's my standard bullet. Mm. I'm trying to buy more alcohol because I'm going to England Saturday, so I need to drink my remaining dregs. Back on the show out in Portland, still recovering, I'm sure, from a very long... MLS shootout. It's Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Oh, I watched yeah. all that game, by the way, because the baby wouldn't go to sleep. That seemed like a, that. God, that does seem like years ago. Hey, Can we talk about the goal they conceded when, like, they were playing a high line off a goal kick for some reason in the last five minutes of a game. Mistakes were made. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! A team conceded in the last few minutes of the game. Whoa! Hold on. Stop the presses. Hi, I'm, I, I'm, it's cold and windy and uh, I made a hot toddy tonight. So um, I'm enjoying it. And yeah, thank you. So, uh, somebody's going to be enjoying something on this episode. It will not well, be. I, I did. I did unleash the Kraken, which is the, <laughs> my nice drum of choice for today. So here we go. We have Stoke and Reading reviews. We have Wednesday news. We have Norwich and Huddersfield town previews as well. And I'll be honest, listeners. Well, I conceived the idea of 90 minutes and 90 seconds, the podcast segment. I did not anticipate I would have to be reviewing games managed by Tony Pulis. So I am calling a moratorium. <laughs> oh, we're killing it off. We're killing it off. No, but a moratorium. We're not killing it off. When we have uh, performances that I can stretch out to 90 seconds of fun and or sarcastic content and look i couldn't do better than the espn plus commentator for the wednesday stoke game anyway so <laughs> the bar's too high now for for taking the piss out of those games we'll just go right on to our talking points we've split them up into lineup points and game points we'll start with the lineup points and patty you're saying everyone knows their roles assuming there's 11 men on the pitch <laughs> yeah we're doing like a, jo a joint kind of stoke reading review because if we spend longer than five seconds of that stoke game we'll have done really fucking well uh, record, youtube highlights are eight minutes long 
the YouTube highlights eight minutes long. I looked at them before this uh, podcast started, uh, Mike, and two minutes of those eight minutes, nothing happens. <laughs> That's their extended highlights. I don't know what on earth they were thinking. Oh, we've just got to pad it out a bit. Um, eight minutes, nothing happened. But... <laughs> Amazingly, I found we had three shots on target, or these three shots on target. Um, no, so what, what, the lineup uh, for both, obviously, is the same. So we had the same lineup against Stoke as we did against Reading. Um, the only difference in the squad being that Ayalfa uh, comes back in for the Reading game today, which was uh, obviously a massive um, boost for us. Um, other than that... What I like about what I've seen from Tony Pulis over the last couple of games is the consistency. Uh, I do think we have a, a more balanced, uh, structured side, despite the injuries. Uh, I like the fact that he's sticking with the same team. Uh, I do actually, depend, regardless that Shaw hasn't finished either of the last two games, <laughs> I think Shaw as defensive fielder actually has played reasonably well, uh, despite the red card today and being subbed off at halftime for Jordan Rhodes against Stoke. Um I think it gives us a bit more solidity. It pushes Bannon and Luongo further forward. Um, I feel like Reach and Harris are benefiting from being more attacking. Uh, and I feel like Bernard uh, and uh, Lees in centre-half is play- are playing better with that four rather than the five. Um, so I'm. I, 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 these are the positives, right? These are the positives I have to take from it. We look tough to break down. We look like we're well-drilled. We look organised. We look dis... <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. We look <laughs> <laughs> some respects disciplined, in some respects not disciplined. Um, so, yeah, I think the formation we set up both of these two games, we set up really well. Um, but it, second game against Reading, we just didn't... We didn't create much in either of the games, and we had an excuse against Reading, we didn't have an excuse against Stoke. Yeah, I don't... Look, uh, the Tony Pulis era has been as advertised. This is what you would expect and he's taken the sort of the basic shape he hasn't really changed like you can argue whether it's five at the back or four at the back he seems to kind of float between the the two as needed espn for the last two games has called it a 4-3-3 let me tell you it's not a 4-3-3 yeah i won't mind so today's game was different right because obviously once we had the sending off we switched to what i thought was like a 5-2-1-1 yeah. so we, we definitely started I would say it was kind of like a four, uh, four three, two, three. three one. Or I think it was a four two three one. Yeah, all right, yeah, I'll give you that. But I think Reach and Harris are definitely being pushed more forward as wingers. But obviously, the sending off happened in the second half. We switched to five two three one, which I thought was a bit left field. We put I offer a center uh, center half in the center of the three, and we put uh, Reach at a left wing back and. Uh, Adebayo at right wing back and brought Pelopesi on as well. I actually uh, like what he did there, putting Harris sort of up front just to chase on. It didn't work, but <laughs> also but I, like the idea was not bad. Like if you need an outlet, like Harris might be able to run into a ball and take it down to the corner and wait for support or something just as a as a pressure valve release. Because Patterson, as we saw in the first half, uh, it was a lovely goal, but when they had like a break with Reach, he just does not have any pace up front as a number nine, especially as isolated as he is. So, so let's talk about our only goal in the last two, in the two games, um, maybe forever. <laughs> I, I, I was driving during the Swansea games. That goal today was the first goal I've seen in about two months. It's a nice goal. Um, it was great a goal, goal, right? So yeah. Harris broke 
uh, free in the centre midfield spot, uh, let uh, Reach go down the left-hand side. And again, we've bemoaned the lack of good crosses and uh, lack of space we're making and lack of pace in the counter-attack. But you say that Patterson didn't keep up, but he was there in the back post for that Reach cross um, and puts it away brilliantly. But to yep. Jeff's point, Adam Reach did have to slow down and... and- <laughs> we also only had one person in the box <laughs> and he hit him so kudos yeah. but it was a great goal yeah, it was a great goal yeah counter attacking and, and they did count- like look they you can have success in this league playing an extremely organized brand of football like that and counterattacking with players like harris and reach on the wings you can win 1-0. And look, if Shaw doesn't get sent off, I think there's a decent chance they see... I mean, look, Reading looked dangerous even you know, before and after Wednesday's goal and before the sending off, and God knows certainly after the sending off. But you can win enough games 1-0 playing that way in this league to stay up. So I don't have a real problem with the organization or the lineup. I think he's utilizing the player's better than monk was you know he's forcing bannon to you know in the setup almost play like a, a number 10 further off the pitch and using sort of luongo and shaw as a double pivot you know with luongo playing a little for- further forward as a distributor but keeping bannon from like dropping into the back five to try to get the ball and throw his hollywood passes or you know send That's it good thing send it out it. and then run up and get it back and then send it out again like it's a little more uh, direct, which is again what you would expect from Tony Pulis. But let's talk about Bannon's role in the pull so far. Cause, I mean, you'd expect to, if we go down the the um, Pulis playbook and the long ball playbook, which we were playing a lot today because we had no midfield by the end of it. Um, but he's not utilizing Bannon in that way. He's not utilizing Bannon in a kind of uh, so quarterback. He- passing kind of long ball pinging him so it's more how you would have sort of imagined Izzy Brown being used right which I think is a great use of Bannon and I'm hoping it makes him what we need is bodies in the box right so what I think Pulis has done really well with these two formations against Stoke and Reading is we've pushed our midfield from being behind our our own uh, halfway point to actually in the opposition half and you've got players like Reach, Bannon, Luongo and Harris in that half, at least, not doing a great deal right now, but at least I think there's there's, there's it's baby steps, right? And we're making the right inroads into a more attacking team if people stopped getting sent off. <laughs> <laughs> Always a caveat. So yeah. I, I think the the specific issue with with Bannon in that role is that he's not. I think he's generally a good passer of the ball, but he's not really great, sort of like threading the ball to feet for that sort of last ball into the box. Like Izzy Brown could do that. Kieran Lee could do that. Forestieri could do that. That's not really Bannon's game. He has done though. I think he has done that, might, but that's not like like he it, might have forgot because he's been <laughs> he's been under Monk's control for the past fucking year, and all he's been told to do is hit it long. He used to be very good at, at threading passes in and that little kind of interplay between on the edge of eighteen yard box. I mean, he never was in the eighteen yard box, but he did a lot of interplay around it. I do feel like he needs another attacking sort of midfield, like a Kieran Lee type, or a, you know, someone more centrally located, or a Firstieri playing in the hole or something like that to to play off of, or sort of like a, a one-two or give it, get it back, just to kind of open up the defense a little more. But again, I don't think that's really the. The intention here. I, I and I think if Tony Pulis had his druthers, every single fucking goal we score for the rest of the year, will they be a cutesy 
set piece goal or the goal against Reading, where it's counterattack, big Scottish bloke in the middle heading the ball into the ground. <laughs> Which again, maybe that works enough that they stay up, but look, I, I look the, the last two games have been fucking awful to watch. <laughs> um I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Uh, but there are, I'm feeling more positive about us uh, as a defensive unit than I was under Monk. Uh, I'm feeling more positive about the effort we're getting from the players. To get a one-all draw against Reading, who have been scoring for fun this season, uh, is by no means... uh... I mean, to be fair, they should have had three to four penalties. (laughs) 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 Should we go blow by blow on the penalties? (laughs) Uh, Well, let's start with the... uh... Shaw red card, yay or nay? Yes, it was definitely yeah. red card. So, yeah, uh, I, I have no problem in, in real time in a non-VAR world. I have no problem with that call going either way. But yeah, yeah, so like that's a, the New York Owls WhatsApp group was flame that it wasn't a red card and the game's gone. And like I look, I get it, but and like so there's the idea that he won the ball. He touched the ball while going over the ball, and then going spikes into the shin of the running player and then his back like the ball a long way and like uh, in in real time i'm like that's a sam hutch yellow card special but after he took like that long i'm like oh he's gonna send him off isn't he and like you, so the problem is it's like reckless there's no need to make that kind of tackle in that part of the field and you know one of the reasons shaw got sent off or got subbed off against stoke was because he got a kind of heady yellow card in the first half too and you don't want him getting sent off in that spot and we've seen this with you know Urgahita. like you got to adjust to the speed of the game at this level but just yeah i don't have a there's just no reason to be diving in like that and yes if this was carlton palmer in 1993 it's not even a foul and wednesday's on the break but it's you know in 2020 that's that's not gonna be a sending off for every referee but with this referee like flip a coin well, the referee was terrible the entire game. Oh so yeah, consistent. it's like it's not even. I can't even say. Like, obviously, Wednesday actually ended up probably getting the better of it in the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, I mean, yeah, you can say yeah, that. But you also, say, yeah, yeah. We could have eleven people on the pitch too. Um, but I think the people that are arguing that it wasn't a red card are kind of the old school um, yeah. people that are used to people um, going full blooded. Of the uh, Sheffield Wednesday red cards this year, I think it was probably the least egregious. Yeah, there was a was it a Van Aken one? Was that quite contentious too? Was that quite a high? Oh, yeah, Van Aken was Van Aken was high. Windass was high. I mean, the Lees was a last man thing. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm still back and forth on the Windass one, but yeah. Well, the Windass one is just like again, it's one of those ones where just why are you doing that in that spot on the pitch? There's right. no like reason yeah. to do it. So the the context of uh, Shaw's tackle, though, I think, is what got sent him what, what got him sent off. So I mean, he goes in like fast like he gives the ball away too right so he yeah in the rest of mine he's he's seen the guy give the ball away and what happens usually if a guy gives a ball away he tries his hardest to get it back and that's when you lunge in and make a mistake so in the context that the referee's seen this play out uh he's already made a couple of bad sloppy sloppy balls sure too he doesn't want to let the team down he's he's giving it away again and he he goes in to get it back um he touches the ball yeah but and maybe in 20 years ago like say jeff that would have been a yellow card there's no way in the last fucking few years that that's nothing else than a red card. It's just reckless. If that had gone against, if that had gone against us, we'd be fucking screaming on the replay. Yeah, 
yeah. As Reading fans were for the three penalty shots. They had. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, James Allen, who is not on this podcast, claims that every single one of them were the correct call. And I will, I will say that I think the Odebaja one was because he's wrong side of the ball was probably the most blatant of the fouls. And we've, he's, got, he's got previous too. Moses, yeah, yeah, yeah. he gets beat, he just falls on the defender. He was yeah. on the pitch for less than three minutes. And I didn't think penalty I, way. the burner one was like a 50-50 where I've like seen it given, but. So Odebajo, the angle that ESPN had, yeah. we could see we could see shorts grabbing on our side, but we don't yeah. know what's going on, on the other side. That's yeah. the only thing I can think of. You mean but, he was grabbing shorts, so he was the yes. shorts. Yeah, no, he, well, grab, yeah he, he, he had he the, likes, yeah. He likes a grab. Yeah, he like grab he anything he can Yeah, sh- Jersey. Yeah. Shorts, yeah, whatever. Shorts not a grab though, in the same way as Dan Al Fisher, though, right? That's no, different. We're not <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but cool. James, I have to take umbrage with the idea that the reach wasn't a handball. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, oh, the fact that James is getting an argument in here is not even on the like, podcast. When you kick the ball into your own hand in the box, or shin it, or thigh it, whatever, like that's it's handball. Yeah, it's handball, especially nowadays. Like, oh yeah, if it's like even remotely outside of the silhouette. Where they're like, you know, clearly wasn't ball to hand. Like, it's ball to hand if the guy is kicking it two feet from you, not when you're kicking it into your own hand. He did the whole Pinocchio thing where your arm and leg goes up at the same time, kind of like puppets, where you just kind of like, your arm goes up and your leg goes up at the same time. And uh, that might have actually been in his favor because he actually kind of looked at first because it happened so fast that his leg hit it. Yeah. I mean, his leg did hit it, but (laughs) his arm did too. (laughs) And most importantly, he stopped him going into the goal. But um, so that was only the first. That was not the first reach off the line clearance he did, though. He did an no, amazing yeah. off the line clearance uh, earlier on in the game, which was I don't know how he did it. It was like defied gravity, which was like a slide with like a, a less than a yard in front of goal, and it went over the bar. Clearly um, looked like it was in, and yeah. somehow it hit on top of the goal. So. So Reach has done amazing. To, I think one of Reach's better games this season. Actually, he did a very good game. He he did. He was great in the first half going forward. Uh, and when he knew was needed to cover left wing back or left back, I don't know what he was playing in the second half. Uh, he he did really good defensively too. Yeah, well, he's that almost... season, but he's got some really. I mean, again, he's been kind of fluky with some bad luck with goals shooting earlier. But I think other than that, he's had a really quiet, nice season. Yeah, I think he's growing into it too, Mike. Right? So I think we were a little bit harsh at the beginning because he was. We kind of had the hangover from last season, um, kind of like haunting us and reach being a little bit ineffective, but. I think you're right. I think he's been one of our better players. Well, that we're 20 minutes and we've gotten through one of the six talking points we have for this segment. Uh, we'll stick with the lineup. Uh, Mike, Monk to Pulis Whiplash. Yeah. Just Who's left behind? It's, it's a lot of what we've been saying. It's just like I used to wake up and check the team news for who was playing up front because now we have all these fantastic strikers up front. And now with Pulis... And again, this is the week that uh, Fletcher and Chua were coming back. And so I was curious to see how the replacements were. And then I'm realizing I don't even look anymore to see who's playing up front because it really, really, really doesn't matter. Um, I think there is like... Patterson, Patterson, fine. Um, Rhodes, fine. I don't know that anyone could or could not have got that header off off reach today. Um, So... I don't have like... I think Iorfa coming into the coming back into the squad and hopefully starting at the weekend will be helpful. Um, 
he just kind of solidifies. I think the, you know, you can put him at right back and literally anyone other than Jos Van Aken at left back because. Oh, come on, that's getting, harsh. I think he's getting, been all right. Oh, he's he's got no pace. Like, if, if he's on the left of a center back three, that's fine. But he was getting absolutely just, I mean, he was getting pantsed against Stoke repeatedly. But what did they do with it? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean other teams I'd be more clinical but yeah so. <laughs> um, and that g- ties into my talking point which is we have a fullback problem yeah. uh, you know Odebajo is known limitations I thought Palmer's been generally fine uh, in the limited amount we've seen him under Tony Pulis he was so getting far. torn apart today with the the Richards and is it Isaiah or something like that. That was the... more Harris than Palmer, in all honesty. And like that's as as much as Harris has improved his defense in the last year or so. You know, asking him to just like park. I kind of wish like like I don't know what Iorfa's fitness is. I think they probably wanted him only to play a half, which is fair enough. But it it was pretty clear even before the the foul that led to the the Joao goal that they needed to shore up the right side of the defense there. And I think bringing Iorf on and shifting everyone right would have maybe helped with that, but maybe they just wanted to try to get 45 minutes out of him instead of 60. And that's the, you know, them's the breaks when you have a somewhat depleted squad at this point. The problem with our, our fullbacks is that we didn't recruit for fullbacks. We recruited <laughs> for a, a, a three, five, a three, five, two. Um, so, we haven't recruited any left backs at all because we don't we weren't playing left backs under Gary Monk, which was a little short sighted in the fact that if this formation didn't work, uh, then we were screwed. Um, did you see that Matt Penny got kind of undressed a little bit today and kind of teased a few people, then was immediately told to put his cardigan back on again and uh, go back to the bench? Yeah, I I mean, so Penny, I am a known Matt Penny fan, but I don't know how he kind of fits in the. Like, I could see a role for him as a left wing back under Gary Monk. I don't know how he kind of fits in the... Like, he's not probably going to unseat Adam Reach as a left winger, which is, I think is more of his sort of natural position and coming up with the under-23s. But, you know, if they... you know, I don't know if they sell Reach in January or something like that. I mean, he's been in the squad every week, so it's not like he's out of favor, per se. Why did you say that? Why do you think he's going to sell him? I don't know if they're going to sell him or not, Um but I'm just saying that they have, uh, you know, options there. I think we are going to have a fairly large book of business in January. I think Pulis is going to want to put his stamp on the squad. It's hilarious, isn't it? So we had a, a large book of business in the off-season. Yeah. Some, some well, when you're changing managers every six months, Patty, this is the <laughs> thing that happens. We're kind of slowly getting towards... Um, the Joao goal, well, I say slowly, meandering towards the Joao goal. Um, uh, and I wanted to bring up Lucas Joao because he scored this is his 13th goal yeah. um, in the league this season. And we've scored eight as of today. Um, Six from open what, play. <laughs> what I want to bring up is, um, and it's, 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 it's our marking. And again, we spoke about this previously in the season too. We don't seem to understand that the the best goal scorers in the league are playing against us, and we're not putting our tallest, strongest men on them. Callum Patterson was the guy marking Lucas Joao today, and he was again shrugged off the ball. Uh, so Joao had an easy header. What I thought, if I know Pulis did pretty well organising the entire thing, but what is happening with our defence when uh, set pieces come in? 
The eternal that's Sheffield that Wednesday question. Is that a rhetorical question or is that an actual question? Well, I think they've generally defended from set pieces fairly well. That was just a weird, like, but it was clearly man marking too. It wasn't like he did a little run. He, he Callum Patterson was next to him, and then Callum Patterson was a yard behind him. I'm really bit impressed with the way they handled corners today. I mean, that was just the. I mean, it was a bad one that got through. Yeah, but I mean, they they. Well, that Luke was Reading had a lot of set pieces in dangerous positions, and they generally handled them fairly well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that time after the, the sending off, they looked like they might have scored four against us, uh, and they didn't. And then the second half, I thought, other than the penalty shouts, we handled them very, very well. Um, and it's I think it's you've got to give uh, old Uncle Tony credit here for the substitutions he made at halftime. He brought three people on. Um, and then he uh, tried to close it out later on. So despite the terrible referee, despite... Reading's free scoring as we just basically killed the game off at 45 minutes. Um, I will say like around 80, around the 82nd minute, I'm like, oh, it's actually gone long enough. I'm going to be annoyed when they concede in like five minutes. And they just <laughs> kept somehow. Yeah, after, after the, uh, to be, to be the fair, uh, Wildsmith has come back into the squad and I thought been excellent. Um, you know, he made the, of course, the, the really impressive save in the first half, but even on the, even on the the reach clearance, if he doesn't get a hand to that ball to slow it down, reach doesn't get there in time. Yeah. I thought he marshaled his area well. Uh, I thought he's been an effective shot stopper. So, you know, so my notes for that for that Wildsmith save in the uh, first half against Wow. I just wrote holy moly in capital it's, letters. It's point blank. It's going. It's like and it's not one where you can just kind of throw your body at it. It's going a bus coming. The ball's coming. This ball's coming down and then over you. So you have to, you have to go to ground in case the ball comes down. But then you have to be able to also react in time to tip it over the bar. And I think he was able to get it over the bar. I think was the most impressive part of it. I reckon if you watch that back in slow motion, it'd be like the Matrix when Neo is like <laughs> dodging bullets. I think Wildsmith must be in some kind of slow motion mode where he's just gonna like go, and he saves it like point blank range. But he's already in flight. Whilst we're anticipating that shot before even Joao is almost, and he's already in flight, ready to kind of spread himself in there. And what a save that was. Uh, a, a crucial moment too. Uh, so yeah, hats off. He made a good save against uh, Stoke as well um, on Saturday with his legs uh, towards the end of the game. So he's, I think, it's sad that West was injured, but it's, it's I think West was pretty much putting his um, shirt on the line now, saying he's the number one, which I will have to eat my words because I said that Wasp was the worst goalkeeper in the club <laughs> a few a few weeks ago. It changes month to month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we've covered enough of the game points. We don't have to go to the game points. But I do just want to go to Mike's, which is, I don't remember the Stoke match. Well, <laughs> uh, to be honest, it's a tale of two matches. I, I watched the whole thing, but it's, there's zero zero games where you're on the edge of your seat, and then there's zero zero games where you're just you don't remember anything that happened. Um, and we we joke about that eight minute highlight reel, but maybe I'll go back and see what see what I don't remember. Did don't Wednesday, don't do it, Mike. Did Wednesday have a clear cut chance in that match? Yeah, so I can tell you what happened. Harris had two. Harris almost skimmed the post. Oh yeah, yeah then, okay, yeah. And then he had a really good chance again from almost the same position where um, uh, he kind of had it cleared off the line. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, from a corner, from a corner scramble. I was in Virginia with my um, in-laws um, watching this game. Um, I think I watched this game. My in-laws <laughs> okay. all left me after the first twenty minutes. Um, Wasn't great. No, it's, if you, as far as advertisement for watching English soccer to American uh, parents, it was not the advert that we needed. Uh, they just kept coming back Wasn't to me. The, uh, it was just like Man City five Burnley nil going on at the same time too. <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't aware of that. They watching Sheffield Wednesday versus Stoke, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, they just kept coming back to me every ten minutes saying, "Is it still zero zero?" And like, yes, it's still zero zero. Um, so we could have played 180 minutes, it would have still been zero zero. Yeah, we've lost two potential fans there. Uh, let's take a break, and we come back. We'll cover the Wednesday news and preview another two-picture week. Now it is time for some Wednesday news, and it is a new month, which means a new player of the month. I, I'll be honest, I watched all of the November fixtures, and yeah, Julian Borner, fine. Pick a name out of a hat, really. <laughs> I, I think Borner's matching quite good since coming into the squad. And I think it's, you know, whatever the scuttlebutt's been sort of since the beginning of the season, you know, it's, it, I think it's good for him to get the player of the month award from the fans, like a nice bit of support. He's come in, he's done a job, you know, he's been the Julian Borner of 2019, 2020, and kudos. Yep. It's uh, so nice to see though, right? Because he got off to an absolute stinker under Monk this season. Uh, it, it looked slow. He looked off the pace. Um, and what we're seeing in the last few weeks is that kind of warrior mentality that he brings and just kind of putting his body on the line. He was fantastic against again, today against Reading. I thought he was good against Stoke too. Uh, it, he's not the fastest. And he's, he's certainly... Um, out of position quite a lot but he, what he does do is gets in the way over and over again his, his, his positioning is pretty good uh, his balls out of defence is pretty good too um, and it, you want to love him it, it, it is one of those kind of lovable characters uh, that is, he kind of came into uh, the side at the beginning of last year and kind of really won the fans over with his kind of uh, his personality but when he's playing badly he just looks slow and, and, and a little bit uh, useless but thankfully He's turned that around in the last uh, month or so. So I think it's totally deserved. Yeah, nice I, don't think some... he, I don't think he's droppable right now. With an, you know, It's Tony Pulis. We might just play our effort right back, which is fine. Yeah, it might, might be a preferred formation, or he might move more to like a five at the back kind of thing too. But I don't think you can drop him in Lees right now. <sighs> That's a good question. It's controversial. Lees, I'm still on the fence with Lees. I think he's, he's been I okay. I think he's been solid, you know. What we're going to start doing with Lees, so I want, as it's something I didn't mention in the uh, review early on with Stoke and Reading, we've got to start putting Lees on the front post for these Patterson long throw-ins. Because <laughs> I don't think he's won a header. Well, it's like, that, that, so like, this has always been a thing with the long throw-ins, you know, like, even back with, when Liam Palmer would do them on occasion. It's just like, they don't actually work yeah, usually. Like, Well, no one attacks them. We've got... I understand putting a long throw in the box. And I think for the first few times Pulis was here, we had these long throws and there was a plan. Tom Lee went to the front, the front post and he would try to knock it on somebody else. What happened, it was like a slow deterioration today against Reading where 
we started off with that plan where Lee's on the front post trying to knock it somewhere else. But then throughout the entire uh, game, we just lost faith in it. We just, Lee's was like, I can't be asked to give him go up there for this anymore. And then Lee's slowly trudged towards the front post and no one else followed him. And he just so, went to nobody. The problem with this kind of setup is you it's very difficult to score because of just sort of the, the pace of a throw-in versus a corner kick scored directly off it. So you need someone that can give like a flick on to the back, yeah, the back stick or a knockdown and it's not tom lee's you know no. it, it's stephen fletcher it's basically what it's, you do. <laughs> stephen fletcher fletcher new you, fletcher, new you yes enjoying his, his his cypress vacation the police has got to police has got so much data in the last four games of long throws going badly that he has to stop lee's from going up well so the the argument is at any given time if let's say you're down the left side like are you better off just having adam reach play a throw into feet and a play back where you can cross in probably yeah but we weren't doing that previously uh, so we, why would we, we, we i mean our throw-ins suck generally <laughs> it's long, it's it. <laughs> we could do a podcast on our throw-ins for the last 10 years and they'll be exactly the same ah, we'll turn from that to the magic of the cup wednesday away to exeter city so we don't like to do like quarantine politics here, but uh, I'm well. That's a pretty long drive, Patty. That's not a fun away day. It's, well, it is a fun away because X is amazing, but yeah. it is a, a terrible uh, game to get to. You're right. Uh, I looked it up. What, it's like five hours and twenty minutes or something. Uh, yeah, uh, we don't have a lot of fun down there as a team. We t- we've lost and lost two games down there. Uh, I have a soft spot for Exeter because I, I have some. Um, I had some kind of uh, family down there for a while. And uh, it's a beautiful place. Uh, I love the club. It's got a lot of um, great history of cup runs. No, absolutely. Has... One of my uh, one of my friends was doing a, like a Christmas in the southwest of England a couple of years ago. It's like, oh, like, is there any like soccer worth going to down there? I'm like, oh, you should go to, like Exeter. It's a nice old ground. Like, you want like kind of like really kind of like fun lower league football. And then I asked, him, I was like, yeah, my wife wanted to do other things down there. I'm like, yeah, that's probably reasonable. <laughs> Instead of going to an Exeter City like Boxing Day game, it was like Exeter City against Carlisle United or something. <laughs> it's like, as they're in the south, though, they they might actually get a few um, fans in there. Because yeah. um, as, as you've seen, maybe from today's fixtures that. Um, I think Luton had about a thousand, two thousand fans in there. I think uh, yeah, Wickham did the too. I think Wickham yeah. did. Yeah, Carlisle. Yeah, it's just the North are uh, banning from going to grounds at the moment. Speaking of bands, uh, went to views. <laughs> views still going. Uh, Massimo Luongo picked up his fifth yellow card in the uh, uh, the tribute. The tri- I mean, Hutch would have had it a month ago, but the tribute. <laughs> The central defensive midfield tribute to Sam Hutchinson will miss the next game. Obviously, Shaw Shawi will miss the next three. I, I can see Wednesday appealing and maybe getting it reduced, but I think he'll probably be unavailable for selection this weekend. I think Windass still has one more game on his as well. So, Lord, what a what is the? I guess you know. Oh, Pelopessi, yeah. yeah. Pelopessi and Alex Hunt on the pivot. <laughs> we're we're good. Hunt is um been now a favor as with Pulis hasn't even featured yet in the squad. Yeah, maybe maybe you get Fizz. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit of Fizz on the bench at least. Uh, and to be fair to Joey, he's he's not doing much wrong really. He can't pass the ball still. Um, 
but he is he does hustle he hustles the entire second half i don't think i like saw him do anything which i guess is probably better (laughs) than the alternative so but if you looked at the uh, yeah i feel like yeah i I don't want to defend joe puppets i don't want to be that guy but he does do a lot of (laughs) he does a lot of well-positioned uh hustling uh that's all i can say i'm trying to i'm trying to defend the undefensible uh we call that a role player Maybe he's a role player. Like what? Is it LARP? Like a LARP? He's a LARPer. Joey Pelipes is a LARPer. He likes to uh, reenact uh, being a defensive midfielder in the <laughs> Dutch league. <laughs> uh, also on the subject of Wednesday-related bans, uh, Darnell Fisher got a three-match ban for grabbing. <laughs> is he hand? Patty's. Uh, are you just like, like? Look, we all have a little bit of bans. But I don't feel like grabbing your full <laughs> dick and balls count as banter. That's it's that's a great ban. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. That's well, not well, a great ban. Don't do that. Ten. You want ten? No, it's like workplace. what workplace is that acceptable in? <laughs> don't answer. You get fired if you in, in my workplace. Exactly. If if I, if I funneled my coworkers bollocks uh, right. at the desk, yeah. I would get uh, fired. I wouldn't get a three week postponement of my um, gardening leave i would get i'll get sacked fuck that guy yeah I'll I'll like what the yeah like come on like just we don't need that i'll give a big shout out to lewis holtby who um uh if you saw the blackburn game on the weekend where they beat them three 0 by the way uh lewis holtby on the sidelines as daniel face went past held his bollocks like, in a cup <laughs> to protect them if everyone in the fl did that when he came near him now i'd love that because i mean this guy screw him Wednesday go from facing second in the table to the top of the table with a clash with Norwich City. And to preview it from the New York Canaries, we have James. James, how's it going? I'm good. How are you guys doing? <sighs> Been better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's late at night, so you must be night owls. Yeah. There's my bad uh... joke for the week. <laughs> oh, we've got off to a good start, James. <laughs> <laughs> How do you find yourself in New York, James? I've known you for a while now. I think since I've been in New York, which is about nine years now, um, we met when uh, one of the first few uh, games I went to Football Factory for. What brought you to New York from uh, England? Oh, it's uh, going to be the same story as everyone, right? Isn't it? A good woman. <laughs> I've been here now. Oh my God, eighteen years. Canal. Yeah, so it's uh, time is definitely ticked on, and we've. We've been all over the place as the New York Canaries. When I say that, but we we started actually on the Upper West Side uh, in a bar there, which we loved. Um, and it was a little different because you know we were the only supporters group there. But uh, you know, being a small neighborhood bar, they kind of struggled to to get open at seven o'clock in the morning for us. And there were definitely times when we were banging on the windows and the cleaners were looking at us like weirdos. So we're like, "Come on, let's in!" Kicked off. So That's uh, cool. that, was, that was your own bar, right? You had your own Norwich bar in uh, Upper West Side. Uh, what was it called again? It was called George Keeley. Yeah, George it was. Uh, it was owned by a, a couple of really cool dudes, and um, the uh, yeah, that was the only thing that was the they, they would get the bar back to open up in the morning, and he literally had like three hours sleep, so half the time he wouldn't turn up. We'd be standing outside <laughs> listening on our phones. Uh. Get did a, it, so. We did a darts tournament there once too, right? You did annual darts. Did have a darts tournament, which we won. Yeah, well, we did win. That wasn't it. rigged at all. I can barely <laughs> throw. I can, I can barely throw anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have killed somebody. Yeah. No. Then we um then we we decided to move um down to the football factory, which is which is a great great decision. Obviously, as you guys know, um Jack there is is phenomenal, and it's great to to 
be around all the other groups and definitely enjoy some banter when it's safe to do so. Definitely have missed it this year, but uh, you know, next year we'll all be back there again. Looking forward hammered, to it. Shout <laughs> yeah. out TVs. Looking forward to it. And uh, obviously, I know um, so the guy that puts in touch, uh, James, so even though I know you previously, I don't have your phone number, uh, is uh, Dave, uh, our, our giant friend, uh, Big Dave, about six or eight. Um, and he's actually going into hospital today. So I wanted to say, say a massive kind of uh, send our love to him because he's uh, he's had some uh, bad bad six months. But um, hopefully this is the, um, the beginning of uh, recovery for for Dave. So uh, much love, Dave. Uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, give you a spanking on Saturday. But after that, um, we'll look out for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's been it's been incredible how brave and and um, just resilient to this whole thing he's been which has been phenomenal really so he's uh yeah took it on like a champion he's beaten it so great so that, let's talk about football for a little bit um so you're top of the league so you must be top of the yeah. world are you happy with the, how you started the season i am but it's very different and i'm sure you know i think dave alluded to this when you chat to him too but it's it's been a very different season um we've really to you know two years ago we played football like brazil it was like playing people off the park and you know sexy moves from the back to the front with 29 passes and then we end up in a goal we you know putting routinely putting two three four goals past people this season it's been a little bit strange we've got going but we've 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 been winning games one nil um you know get a lot of penalties um we've got 13 players out right now so we've been scraping through games and uh it caught up with us today we lost to luton and um, I think it's one of those things that you just, with the fixture list piled up like that, it's going to be very difficult to maintain that top spot um, without a goalkeeper, without a recognised left back, with no strikers fit. Um, and just the players, the important players we've had missing, uh, you know, the, the, the camp wells of the, of the squad, so to speak, Tim Krull. Um, when Deer was out for a game, he just came back. Uh, Dowell, uh, Quintier at left back. It's been uh, it's been a really horrible year for injuries. But again, can't complain. We are top of the league, and um, hopefully those players will come back and we'll we'll be able to maintain that. I think definitely, definitely experience for this division and depth of squad and being prepared for this division. Um, those are the two strengths we've had this this year because you know we, we know what what this is all about, and so I think. Being prepared and ready has kind of helped us overcome uh, where good football was two years ago. Were you worried about coming down at all when the season started? Just because the championship, especially for teams going down, whether it's you know sorting out what players you can keep, what players you can move on, you know sometimes managerial changes and whatever else. Were you worried that you could like get stuck in sort of the maybe not like a like a whole city but maybe a team that just you know struggles to make the playoffs or gets off to a slow start and, and given the given the fixture congestion you know just sort of bounces around mid-table for a year you know i don't think i don't think i was worried at all actually um because we're just not that kind of club you know you, you talk about the clubs that go up to the premier league and spend all their money and, and basically spend more than they got and then when they do go down, they've got to sell and completely rebuild from scratch um, and find themselves in a pickle. Um, we've, we've never done that. Like we've never, we've never lived beyond our means. Right. So even when we went up, we, we trusted the players that got us up to try and keep us up and added to that um, with players that were of a similar caliber or maybe a little bit better. 
and that fit into the wage structure. So when we went down, I knew we'd have the, the pretty much the nucleus of that squad that got us up is we're still going to be around, even if we lost a few players um, that were tired in the shop window. And um, I think I was expecting to lose maybe a couple more than, than we did. I think I was, I was definitely prepared to lose Wendy or maybe Camwell. Um, that didn't happen. So that's good. Um, but no, I don't think at any point I was worried that, that we would get caught in a rut. I definitely thought we were going to be in the mix to come back up again. It looks like Ben Deere's doing well for you too, right? A few assists, a couple of goals. Uh, so he said he's just got a, a, an injury or is he back for the game on Saturday? No, he, he was uh, he was sent off. Uh, so he had a, uh, he had a, he missed a game with a suspension. Um, but yeah, it, it, that was kind of tough, especially when you got so many other players out. We kind of relying on him to be a little bit of a, of a creative source um, above all those missing players. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's like a little magician, really. Um, I don't think many teams saw it in the, in the Premier League um, last year as much um, as in the championship. Maybe that, that, you know, that he's just not fully developed yet. And he's still a young player um, into, into what his full potential could be. Um, but at this championship level, you know, when he's on, he's unplayable. Um, you know, it's just his vision and range of passing and, the way he can glide past a player and make something happen is, is, is pretty is pretty um, spectacular when he's on. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about how uh, you know the results have been a little different as far as sort of the the goal scoring this year versus last year. Is there any major sort of tactical changes they've used since coming down to the championship? Or is it basically the same kind of football they were trying to play in the Premier League as well? No, it's the same. We haven't changed. Um, you know, that's 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 the, the way the manager wants to play. Um, it's 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 been the same. Um, we've definitely had a little bit of quality and, and um, tried to do things a little bit differently with maybe um, adding some speed and maybe adding players that can cross the ball into a box in, in Contia, who's who's actually out now. But um, no, it's been it's the same. You know, when you I guess when you're good at something, you stick to it. And we we like to play off in the back, and we like to you know build up. Um, and and just find that killer pass to break a team down. Um, when teams play against us um, with a similar mentality, it suits us, right? You know, we can really open teams up and play well. Um, but I got I got news for you about what's going to happen. <laughs> I know <laughs> you're going to be no different to anyone else that's been to Carrow Road this season. Right. In, you know, you basically park yourself in your half and put everyone behind the ball, and then say, "Come on, break us down." Um, a big Tony Pulis shaped bus I'm going to park you right in front of that goal yeah exactly you know, everyone's done the same thing um, fortunately we have found a way to get the odd goal um, against those kind of teams and, and break them down and then they open up um, so that's good I think that experience from, from being in this division before and expecting teams that do that um, is definitely helped We've well you look you've got like 1-0 wins against Derby and Huddersfield and Birmingham and Middlesbrough and the kind of sort of results you need to grind out against those kind of teams in this league to you know be top of the table. That's it. Even even when you're not playing well, you have to you have to dig deep and find the results. We actually lost a derby. Um, we beat Huddersfield and and, and Middlesbrough. Oh yeah, that one's in red. Sorry. That was a, yeah. That was a, yeah. <laughs> what happens when I don't do the notes and look at the agenda three seconds before the episode <laughs> starts, as Patty uh, alluded to before we started recording. That's right. That was that was a Wayne Rooney sucker punch free kick late in the game. But, I um, remember that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you, I mean, last two games though, you like drew a Coventry and lost to Luton today too, right? So, yeah. is this a bit of a shaky part, uh, part, or just the injuries catching up with you? What's going on? 
Yeah, I think there's there's definitely you know playing twice a week is is taking its toll, um, and, and and definitely missing players is is has been a key factor. You know, Michael McGovern's has come in to to deputise for Tim Krull, who's out injured, um, but. I don't think he's good enough to be honest with you. Um, he wasn't good enough to be number two last season, which is, you know, we brought in Ralph Farman from the um, Bundesliga. Um, but uh, if he wasn't good enough last season, I'm not sure why he's good enough this season because he's looked a little bit soft, to be honest with you, between the sticks. But hopefully Krull will be back in a couple of weeks and we can uh, we can push on there. Well, we get an average around one shot on target a game. So uh, <laughs> as long as you can mind that one shot, it might be all right. <laughs> well, do you know what? Listen, you've got a chance. He's, he's, you know, he's a body. He's a body between the sticks. Uh-huh. So the, looking forward to the, to the game uh, on Saturday. Uh, like I say, we're, we're at the moment a bit of an attritional team. We kind of just like bore people to death and, and see that they just fall asleep usually. Um so what would you say to look out for Saturday from yourselves and uh, what would your prediction be for the game? Um, I think we're going to have, we'll probably have Rock back and definitely Pookie's back. So um, you're going to be meeting a, some kind of goal-scoring threat. Um, he's no Lucas Joao, so. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he's good for one, though. Um, I'm going to say 1-0. I'm going to say we're going to squeak it out. You guys will park the bus, um, but eventually we'll break you down. Um, yeah, I mean, you can look out for a lot of possession then. I think, you know, we're going to maintain the ball for a lot, probably at 70, 75% possession. And we'll just look for a way to break you down. Um, and if you get lucky and hit us on the break, maybe you'll uh, you'll have a little luck. But um, we've got know, a couple I, of suspensions. So we've got Luongo out. We've got, um, uh, well, both of, our, both of our defensive midfielders are now out suspended. <laughs> so uh, I don't see us being as solid as we but, have been. Patty, but is it 13, Paddy? There is a third defensive midfielder you're forgetting, Patty. No, I'm not forgetting him. <laughs> Don't regard him as a defensive midfielder. <laughs> if you hear the name Pelopesi on Saturday, James, um, you're probably in for a bit of a treat. Um, I, I, I right, feel I, confident I, with him man-marking Timo Puki. I'm sure that'll go <laughs> Yeah. I'm, what I'm, about Jordan Rhodes? Is he going to play or not? Because you know, Well, he got... Patterson some... looked pretty good uh, today, but I th- he's played the last few games now, and like, it really is just there's just too many games. Like, you saw that Jordan Rose got pulled last weekend. He was in. Yeah, for, so yeah. he came on at halftime against Stoke James, and he got subbed with ten minutes to go in the game uh, after forty minutes of play. Which I think either Poulis playing some kind of mind games with him, or it's just trying to break him even further. We broke him already. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost feel like cruel at the moment we did to Jordan Rhodes. Yeah, we'll take him back. Uh, we could do with a striker right now. To be honest, with you. I think the oh. one the one hope i would have as like a wednesday fan is they've had a fairly tough run of fixtures recently with teams towards the top of the table and i think it's just tough for teams especially teams with either injury problems or squad depth issues even good teams to just get up for every game two games a week no fans in the stands i just don't think you always can maintain that cutting edge, which what I'm saying is they have a chance to make it nil nil. <laughs> yeah, that well, that's the the whole no fans in the stadium. I mean, obviously there's going to be a thousand there uh, this weekend. Um, oh, cool, two thousand. I can't remember which one it is, but uh, it's a very small percent percentage of of fans. But yeah, it's been it's affected every team. You know, you look at after the lockdown and we came back. You know, the the, the last 
10 games of the Premier League, you know, we were, we, we showed some fight before the, before the lockdown. And then when that thing ended and the, and the football started, we were also excited to get back and watch it again. And we just folded like a lawn chair. Um, so it's, you know, you can't underestimate um, what 27,000 people does to, to lift the team. Who are the lucky thousand that's getting the tickets on Saturday then? Is, you know, uh, they, they, what they did was they rolled all the season tickets over to next year. Um, and so it was basically a lottery. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So there are some lucky folks going to be there watching their first football for a while. Is Delia baking them a personal pie each? A thousand? <laughs> I mean, to be on the gates or actually handing them out? Yeah, who knows? Maybe. Your cookies at least, right? You expect those. <laughs> James, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's appreciate it. Um, all the best for the season. Like I say, um, hopefully we get to see you and Dave um, back at, after the pandemic's over and Dave's better. Uh, appreciate you coming on. And, yeah. Uh, no problem. Nice to talk to you guys. And uh, I hope you're not too happy on Saturday. But uh, definitely We're never happy, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Bye. Despite Paddy's extensive New York connections, we could not get Patrick Stewart on for the Huddersfield Town segment. So instead, we had to get the second most famous American Huddersfield Town fan, probably by default, in Maine. It's Sean. How's it going? Hi, guys. You all right? Yeah, it's not a very high bar to be the second most famous Huddersfield fan in the States. (laughs) I don't think think I've met it, though. I think there are a couple more famous than me. Surely you've got to have met Patrick Stewart. I mean, as a, every Huddersfield fan must have a story, surely. No, I haven't. <laughs> the, most famous, the most famous person I've ever met is actually Harry Redknapp um, when he was manager of Bournemouth, believe it or not. Is that at the Huddersfield Town game or just randomly? No, one of my best mates um, when I was about 10 was first a family friend of the Redknapps. And so they basically were Harry Redknapp fans. They would just go and support whatever team he was the manager of. And so they dragged me to a Bournemouth match and Harry Redknapp actually bought me fish and chips afterwards. Um, nice. So I nice. might not have met Patrick Stewart, but that is a famous football. I'll <laughs> do. I mean, imagine having to follow Harry Redknapp around England. <laughs> <laughs> they must have houses all over the place. Yeah. Can we book them next week? <laughs> uh, so uh, Huddersfield Town, after being in a bit of a relegation scrap last year, I mean, off to maybe a little bit better of a start. I see a lot of MLS scores here, a lot of like four threes and three twos. So it's at least exciting football. It, it is. Yeah. You know, we, I think to sum it up, we've been a bit inconsistent, but but I agree with you that we, it seems like a, a different team than, than than we had last year. We, we look a much better side. Um, you know, we're definitely picking up more points. We're scoring more goals, which scoring goals has been a problem for us for, for several years now. So, so that's pleasing. Um, and yeah, we you know we've we've had we've had some some exciting matches. Um, we've definitely thrown away a few points, um, but that's in a way that's positive because you know last year we had to scrap for every point we won, um, and even if we played well, it, it seemed like things weren't going for us. So so definitely off to a better start, and I think you know I think we're feeling fairly positive and and just hoping for mid table really. I think that'll be that'll be considered a success for this season. So you have a trendy young european manager not that wednesday fans would know anything about that uh a bielsa protege what kind of sort of football does he like to play 
So um, I think that's been, you know, it was it was a controversial decision uh, to to sack Danny Cowley and, and bring in Corbran. Um, and I think two things that we were looking for was um, a, a more attractive style of play uh, and to give to give youth players an opportunity to develop. And he's he's really so far done both of those things. You know, we're playing out from the back. We're playing out some nice football. We're having more shots, scoring more goals, as I said. Um, and so, so you know, even when we're losing, it's 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 feeling a bit more enjoyable again, which we really needed after two, after two seasons of just abject despair. You know, first coming down from the Premier League, and then last season just being in a relegation scrap from from the get go. Um, so this season, you know, even though we're, we're we're still you know very inconsistent, we've definitely had a few disastrous performances. It's just all around more enjoyable. What happened with the Cowleys? Because I mean, we were linked with the Cowleys when we had a managerial vacancy as well. Um, and obviously they were the kind of hot ticket at the time, weren't they? Was it just like the wrong place, the wrong timing for them? Or was it, uh, were they really not very good at motivating the players that you had? That's, that's a difficult one, actually, Paddy. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a combination of factors. I mean, I think, first of all, they, they had a, a, an impossible job on. I mean, we just looked nailed on for relegation when they took over. And, and to their credit, they kept us up. Um, and I think, you know, I think they did... Um, have a positive impact uh and i think certainly if we hadn't have brought them in then i, I think we probably would have gone down you know having said that the, we only stood up by the skin of our teeth you know and, and there was definitely a lot of dreadful performances there was a group of players that they just didn't seem able to get a performance out of um they, they obviously weren't happy with the quality of the squad um and i think they had a right to not be i think certainly the squad needs some investment and still probably does um, and so, you know, I think that's why some town fans felt it was a harsh decision. You know, having said that, the style of play was really fairly ugly. Um, and, and I think we've seen a much more positive um, style of play. And I think Corbrand's come in and had an impact with, you know, a couple of new players, um, which is obviously helpful. But I think, to, for the most part, the same squad. Um, and so, you know, I think maybe they were a little bit out of the depth, um, at least at this point in their careers. Um, and, and maybe, you know, the, the challenge at town, which I think is a big one still, was maybe beyond their ability. Um, but, you know, I, certainly I think, you know, I certainly have nothing bad to say about them. They did the job they were brought in to do. Um, I think they had a, a bit of a difference of vision with the chairman. And I think that's really what led to them buying ways. Um, I think he decided that, you know, he wanted some somebody more trendy and a, a more attractive style player, which I think is good. Um, but, you know, I think, you know what? I think the Cowleys still have a lot of potential, and I think they can be successful somewhere else. So I think there's, uh, you know, sort of the roster and player moves they've made. You know, the kind of things you'd expect a a team looking to consolidate and stay up. You know, bringing in championship sort of veterans like Nabi Sar and Danny Ward. But you also like I don't know if the Cowleys are bringing in players from Espanol and Ajax. Do you think the Corberans had kind of a a effect there where they where these players know they can come in or these teams know they can come in they'll play that kind of sort of a tr- more attractive continental style of football it certainly seems that way yeah and i think you know one that one that i would really highlight as an example of that is pipa who's our spanish right back um he was one of the one of the first signings that came in after Corbin was appointed and he's been fantastic you know i think he's him and him and harry toffolo on the left we've arguably got two of the best attacking fullbacks in the division um, and so I, th- I think you're right. I mean, I think somebody like Pipa can't see him signing for us if, if Corbran wasn't the manager and, and having that link. So 
and and Carol Eiting that you mentioned as well. I mean, he's looks like a top class potential at least. You know, he's a young lad from Ajax, very very good passing ability, really composed on the ball. Also chipped in with a few goals, which we desperately need. Um, so yeah, so I, I do think that it feels like you know the chairman has put the pieces together that have enabled us to to start getting on a more positive trajectory. You know, from the playing style, from the, the quality of the squad manager you know it's all it all feels like it's moving in the right direction so it's funny we just did the uh, norwich preview who's obviously top of the table and they were first in possession and first in pass percentage pass completion percentage in the championship so far this year huddersfield is second in possession and third in pass percentage and is 16th uh how's the back line <laughs> <laughs> well a bit dodgy i think is the answer to that um you know i think the the defense the, the frustrating thing about them is they always seem to have a mistake in them. Um, and I think this is a bit of the the downside of trying to play this passing style with perhaps some of the players not being, that's not necessarily playing to their strengths. And I think the centre-halves in particular, um, including Nabisar actually, so far have been a bit vulnerable to the high press. Um, they've tried to play it out from the back. They've got themselves into some quite um, tricky situations and given away a few silly goals as a result. Um, so, I, so I definitely, again, there's, there's work to be done there. And I think that's what you, you know, you see why we're 16th or whatever position we're in now, we're just very inconsistent. You know, one minute we'll look like a, we're playing really good football. We, we look dangerous and the next minute we're two nil down, you know, we're just, um, with that sort of team at the moment, we're definitely a, an unfinished product and a, and a work in progress. Uh, and I think definitely, I think the defense is one area that definitely needs some, especially the center of defense that needs some strengthening. Um, probably up front is the other area that I think we're a bit weak. Speaking of up front, so I think the only player they got rid of this uh, off season was Kachunga, right? A um... uh, couple more. So we got, so we got rid of Kachunga, who I think I, I've got all the time in the world for him. He was a fantastic player for us, really fan favorite. Um, so you're lucky to have him. Um, so not, let's, sure, let's, not sure how he's doing so far. Yeah, but, so I want to ask you about Kachunga actually because um, we—I don't know, really know what he's what he's good at yet. He's um, he's clearly got a good touch. Uh, I feel like he's got a good football brain. He makes some good runs. Now he, he, he is suffering in a team which cannot, for the life of them, work out how to give service to a, a striker or to a kind of uh, attacking forward. midfielder or anyone that plays yeah. anything what? higher up the pitch than like a number eight. Yes. <laughs> So when you when I say Kachunga to you, what what is his natural position for town? What do you think his natural position is? Um, I think he was most effective in um, a, a sort of a striker role, but more on the right side, like not as a centre forward, more as a right forward, right sided forward. Um, he played his, his his most effective season was under David Wagner in our promotion season a few years ago where he had a really good partnership with Tommy Smith, who was the right back at the time. And, and they just they just tore defences apart down the right and Kachunga would get on the end of the final ball and knock one in. Um, we scored countless goals that way. I think probably what he's suffering from a bit and it you know, unfortunately might be limiting, limiting his effectiveness in the championship now is I think he's lost some pace. He got a pretty bad injury in our first season in the Premier League. I think, what was that, 2017-18? And uh, wasn't quite the same player since. Um, and so, you know, I think I think for Wednesday, jury's probably still out as to whether he can be effective as as a forward. Um, good squad player, good attitude, works really really hard. So that side of his game, I think you can benefit from. But you know, obviously, you're struggling to score goals at the moment, and he's probably not the answer to that. I don't think at this point in his career. 
Yeah, we seem to have signed all well, Gary Monk seem to sign a lot of forwards that don't score goals, which um, <laughs> we're, we're not really bearing the fruit of. Obviously, the, right the now. forwards that <laughs> score no, goals are expensive, Patty. Yeah, I think I think we're, we're, town is struggling for, with the same thing. And actually, you know, we, we did actually lose two other forwards. We had Steve Mounier, who had a bit of a mixed career at town, but he was really starting to come good. And I think really they just sold him because he was too expensive to keep. Now that we're not in the Premier League. Um, and then we sold Kyle and Grant as well, uh, who was our top scorer last season and just, just went to West Brom for a big money move. And I think, you know, obviously that's a lot of goals to lose. Um, and we haven't really replaced that. Um, and I think, I think most town fans were expecting them to bring in a ready-made replacement for Grant on deadline day, and it just didn't work out for some reason. Um, and I think there was quite a lot of frustration about that. Um, if you listen to the chairman publicly, he says he doesn't think we need it. I don't think he really believes that. I think he's just been a bit cagey with his money. But, you know, definitely we're very, very light up front. We really only have Fraser Campbell, who's a recognized striker. Um, and uh, he's not he's never been a prolific goal scorer either. You know, he's a good lad, Huddersfield born, works really hard for the team. But, you know, prolif- prolific striker, he is not. Yeah, when so, you hear Fraser Campbell, you think like nine goals this season. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. he'll get him. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'd fucking kill for nine goals a season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our top scorers are tied at two right now. So. <laughs> I can sympathize. That's been a problem for town the last few years as well. Um, so I understand. <laughs> All right, Sean, let's look at the week, uh, the Tuesday game ahead of us. Um, what's uh, What should we look out for as far as the danger men on Huddersfield Town right now? And uh, what do you th- what's your prediction for uh, the game? Well, um, I don't know that we're known for having a lot of danger men, to be honest. I think we're in the same boat there. But... Um, Players I would pick out, I think. I think we mentioned Carol Iting, just his passing and he's just his football brain, fantastic. Um, I think uh, Harry Toffolo coming down the left um, really loves to get forward and get across in. Um, and then another sort of revelation this season actually has been Isaac and Benza. Um, he was a, one of our many expensive flops when we were in the Premier League, signed him for a lot of money, and then he just delivered absolutely nothing. Um, and he was part of a group last season that I was talking about earlier that Danny Cowley just couldn't seem to get a performance out of. He, he was disillusioned. He, had, he seemed to have a poor attitude. Uh, and this season, he looks like a different player. Um, he's really, really quick. He's got a great cross on him. Um, and he's, he seems to be getting more and more confident and better by the week. So I think he's probably the closest thing we've got to a danger man. Um, Josh Caroma, young winger, um, sometimes plays up front. He's a uh, good dribbler of the ball. So he's still... Still a bit inconsistent, but I think he's also getting, as he gets more games under his belt, he's getting better and better. So those are probably the two uh, that I would pick out, I think, Benza and Karoma. What do you think the score's going to be? Oh. <laughs> um, well, I, I think, honestly, it's funny, you know, we've had a, we've had a fairly poor record against you lot recently. Um, you know, obviously, the last time we met each other was in the playoffs. And I think we were a bit jammy to get through that. Um, to be honest, <laughs> um, and before that, we lost, we'd lost several on the trot um, against Wednesday. So, uh, you know, I think this is probably our best chance to beat you in quite a while. Obviously, you're struggling to score goals. We suddenly appear to be capable of scoring a few, um, but we have a dodgy defence as well. Um, so I can't, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. So I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to say three-one to Town. <laughs> not bad, not bad. That's not a very Tony Pulis score, though, uh, Sean. So it... <laughs> I mean, you think one nil's more his style? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, but I mean, like I say, 
hopefully, if you're shipping a few goals, it might give us a few chances too. Which, uh, as long as we don't get another person uh, sent off like we have done last. Like, I was gonna say we'll get someone. We'll be time. up one nil. Get someone sent off in the sixty second minute or something. And yeah, yeah. That's how it goes. It sounds like you're having a very town style season, so I can <laughs> I can definitely sympathise. <laughs> Well, Sean, thanks for coming on, and good luck the rest of the way. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. We're the best team win. Patty, do we have any other business? We don't. Um, I put this in the AOB because I was trying to get all the Jamie. Uh, we don't have no other meetups. Probably not. Uh, and we probably don't have a New York meetup either this weekend uh, for very obvious reasons that as COVID rages throughout the US. <laughs> Um, so I don't think we've got anything planned. <laughs> it's very hard being a supporters group where with no games you can go to in bars. Yeah. <laughs> I do miss bars. I was thinking about that today. Like, it's been being able to go to a bar and order a nice <laughs> cocktail. And there's this nice place in downtown Hartford that does like sort of like high end cocktail stuff. And again, back when I worked in corporate America, I had this like running every other week Wednesday thing that got done around four about ten minutes from there I'm like I'm not going back to the office so I just drive there they opened it for be quiet big deer head on the wall nice cocktail menu like good hipster playlist just yeah, sit there have a couple cocktails like four people there bartender talk shop, talk booze, talk cocktail culture. It was nice. Oh, man. I miss being able to do that. Go to bars. Yeah. I, um, I watch like, TV shows and people are in bars and I get really kind of like glassy-eyed. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I remember bars. <laughs> they were great. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> so, yeah, are, are you guys worried that once we do get out of this, there's going to be like tons of DUIs and riots and stuff and fights at bars? <laughs> All Mike, you're in, the, you're in the city of riots. You'd be used to it by then. Yeah, oh, yeah. We may stop rioting here. <laughs> this is an episode 116 of the Isles of Americast. Still looking for season sponsors. How's that going, Patty? Uh, not great, guys. Um, I, I think about reaching out to different gravy. They've got a good deal with the Owls and Prime. Uh, and uh, maybe they can sponsor us. Maybe get other sp- podcasts to sponsor us. Is that a thing? I'll reach out to them. Yeah, if you have an owls-related business, oh, no, fucking nothing. Owls Rescue Group. I don't know. Oh well, there's plenty of owls in New York at the moment. Maybe we get, like, Apparently, yeah. Maybe we get a guy that uh, like roosts, roosted, roasted, roosted, roosted in the roosted, not roasted. <laughs> he didn't roast himself. Oh man, too many Manhattan's. Um, maybe we get the owl that um, was found in the. Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center. A guest uh, of honor like, at the football factory. Does he have cash? <laughs> Can we shake him down? <laughs> uh, anyway, if you're an owl or an owl-related business that would like to sponsor the show, we, you can get in contact with us at owlsamericas.com or owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can also find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast, our podcast intro and bumpers. I feel like Wednesday is Reverend in the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. 
wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Mike, it's been so long since you've been on the show, we don't even have your Twitter handle any, here anymore. But it's at Mike Laroon. Mike, yeah, Mike Laroon, Cascadia Owls. All any of stuff. the above. Any or all of the yeah. above. What are you going to do? Besides Riot? Besides Riot, as soon as it's yeah. all clear in 2021 or 2022. What's the first thing you want to do? First thing I'm going to do in 2021. First dumb post-pandemic thing. Oh, oh, it's it's for for a lot of us. It's racing, uh, going going running with some mm-hmm. friends, and the races have been all canceled for a year, so it's uh, we miss it. Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A Jones. Patty, what's the first drink you're going to have at the football factory once it's all clear? <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not craving drinks at the Full Factory. Hmm. I mean, come on, you kind of are though. The drink menu at Full Factory is not something to crave. Um, but I will go with my standard at the Football Factory, which I think usually is just a Stella, because <laughs> that's 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 basically the best of the best at Football Factory. Yeah. I'm just looking forward to seeing Jack's face again um, uh, and not being affected by it. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and I'm looking forward to sitting down, having a perfectly poured Manhattan, maybe some, I don't know, some cure, disintegration era cure on the on the uh, PA at my favorite bar. You get to choose the bar you're going to with the music and the cocktails. I get to the football factory for fucking like a Stella with Jack. Yeah, it's got its time and a place. I want, I want, I want the hipster radio. I want the, yeah. I want the nice cocktail. Yeah, Patty, we are not the same, but we'll see you next <laughs> week. <laughs>